Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. And welcome back to the podcast. Saul here with a special guest. His name is Dr. Rob Fields. He's Senior Vice President, Chief Medical Officer of Population Health at Mount Sinai Health System. He is really doing some fascinating work. His career began by opening a new practice out of residency, focusing on using technology for quality improvement and serving the Latino population in Western North Carolina. The practice was the first to use a patient portal, among the first to achieve PCMH level three in 2010, which is huge. In 2012, he spent a year teaching at a community health and family medicine residency at the University of Florida, but was recruited to come back to Asheville as the assistant medical director for primary care at Mission Medical Associates. As the ACO planning began in 2013, Mr. Fields led the quality steering committee and helped the initial planning of what was to become Mission Health Partners. He's done a lot for that community, but also across his experience in healthcare to improve outcomes. And it's a pleasure to have him here on the podcast with us to discuss what's on top of his mind. So Rob, pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Tom. It is a pleasure. So what is it that got you into the medical sector, Rob? Yeah, I mean, honestly, my older brother, I have a brother who's 10 years older and at one point had wanted to go into medicine. And that's how the idea first got in my head and then had some experiences in high school and volunteering and kind of got a sense that I was pretty sure I wanted to do primary care even then. And I just kind of solidified, you know, you go through undergraduate, have different thoughts, but really always came back to medicine as something that was really met all my needs. You know, I I had a need for service and a need for to be able to use my love of science and relationships and all that. So it, it seemed to combine all the things I loved and it's been great been a great career. That's outstanding, man. Yeah, it's a, such a such a great place to get all those wonderful things met and then also help people in the process. And so as you've worked your your feel for technology as well as uh, you know, caring for patients, tell us what a hot topic you believe needs to be on healthcare leaders' minds and how are you guys at Mount Sinai taking care of that today? Yeah, it's a uh, world is changing pretty dramatically. I mean, I think one of the, the things I've learned over the last you know, 10 years or so, both actually starting with my journey in private practice all the way to working on system kinds of problems, and in particular here in New York City, is that the world is changing such that uh, really the economics are changing. The, the, our systems, our government, our society is running out of money to take to really handle healthcare in the way we've always done it. We need to think differently about how to do it. And in particular, in a market like New York City, where we have a, a lot of competition, a lot of high branded, internationally renowned institutions, all uh, really focused on, on specialty care. And the way the systems have always operated is really about trying to be the come up with the newest and greatest thing that it's actually a back-to-basics philosophy that these systems really need to adapt by going back to the basics of relationship-based care, uh, building primary care bases, uh, managing populations, trying to reduce cost and utilization into the hospital. It's in many ways sort of the antithesis of the things that they were built to do. But I think all healthcare leaders that are looking at 
the way the finances are working out and, and healthcare economics and seeing the writing on the wall are, are trying to figure that out is how do you change our systems from delivering the kind of care they've been delivering to something that really goes back to, kind of the, I think, the basics of population health, which are the basics of medicine is strong primary care, strong relationships with patients and trying to positively affect behavior to, to get better outcomes. Yeah, no, that's such a great point, Rob. And, and there's definitely a lot of heavy lifting that's happening right now in this turn to, to more value-based care. And I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on, on what you guys are up to over there at, at Sinai on just to help improve outcomes and do things differently. Yeah, there are a couple things or several things, but the, maybe at the base is you have to change the economics of the health system and the financing of the health system in order to change the operations, right? So you can't disconnect the two so much that you try to change your operations in a vacuum. You have to be able to do your contracting or, and, and change your contracting to support the kinds of things that you want to do. Uh, so we have entered into value-based agreements with all of our payers in some capacity, all the way from full risk to just pay for performance and you know everything in between. So I think that that's one thing that we started doing several years ago. And the second is, of course, is establishing the right leadership and start to address the cultural issues within the institution to kind of move us towards value. But I think more concretely, there are, there are a couple of things. One is is really working on primary care redesign. So if we agree that the foundations of population health are really about empowered primary care that provides the appropriate foundation, then it can't be the primary care of the last 15 or 20 years. I think that's led us to physician burnout. It's led us to relatively low number of medical students deciding to do primary care. It just needs to change. We need to improve or empower our workforce. We need to support them a lot more. And start building team-based care infrastructure. So we've done that here at Sinai, starting to introduce the concept of integrated care with behavioral medicine, with social work, with clinical pharmacy. So we're starting on that process now, so rebuilding primary care and redefining primary care. And then the other big thing among all the things we're working on that I think is really important is how we use our information systems and data and analytics to really fuel our operations and pop health, both in terms of measurement of operations and quality and efficiency, but also prediction. You know, how do we use all sorts of data to start to predict who is likely to have a bad outcome and start to define our population? The idea being given in limited resources and in a place like Sinai, your population is potentially infinite, right? You have people mm-hmm. traveling from all over the place to come here. We don't have enough resources to cut, to really deal with an infinite population. We need to use data and analytics to help define our population a little more discreetly and then organize our operations around that. So I think uh, primary care redesign and data and analytics have been by our two biggest investments. Love that. And and that super clear focus on, on these two metrics, I feel like is is the key to, to really drive some great results and, and Maybe along the journey, you guys saw some some setbacks and some learnings. I feel like we learn more from those than than the successes. Definitely want to dive into the successes here, but I want to, before we get to those, learn from maybe one of the setbacks that you and, and your team had and what you learned from it. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I'm still relatively new to Sinai, but I think some of the challenges here are not unique to Sinai. They're, they're true for other large health systems. I think population health is certainly the in vogue thing, right? Every system says we need to do pop health. That's the sort of quote, not really understanding what that is. And often start on the same journey of 
of trying to build primary care, I think where it gets a little lost is really undervaluing the, we'll, we'll call them the less discreet parts of what pri- makes primary care so impactful. So I think there's a general underappreciation for how important those relationships are to improving outcomes. You know, we know that patients generally do better. They utilize less. They have better outcomes if they have a consistent and reliable relationship with a primary care physician. And that isn't often reflected on profit loss statements or balance sheets of a primary care practice or primary care division, which for most systems often loses money. Um, I think there's a lot of other value there, and especially when we talk about you know, a population health model that has to do with having a reliable place for a sick patient to, to come, someone that knows the patient, that knows their social context, that can have meaningful conversations that are not just a singular conversation, but an accumulation of conversations over years in that relationship that is incredibly impactful, but it doesn't generate RVUs. So I think uh, our mistakes as a system have often have to do with resourcing decisions in primary care that are based on balance sheets and not about the overall value of what primary care brings. And that's easy to do. I mean, when you think about a division that might be losing money on a balance sheet and decide, well, we can't afford to resource it differently or or build team-based care models, I would argue you really can't afford not to, given mm-hmm. the new economy, and it's, and it's beyond the balance sheet. Um, and I think that's a pretty common mistake across systems that I think that, that I've had experience with. Rob, that's so, so insightful. And those are the tough calls that visionary CMOs and CEOs, leadership teams in general at provider institutions need to be thinking about. You're definitely thinking about these things. And I think it's key for, for others to really start sharing into that vision of, hey, you know, it may not make sense on the balance sheet right now, but if we take a look at the impact overall, what we could get out of this for patients and, and just the, the system, that we're, the healthcare that we're providing could be big. What would you say has been one of the, the proudest medical leadership experiences you've had to date? Uh, from a personal standpoint, it was actually maybe before uh, Sinai and even before yeah. Mission. I spent a year, as you mentioned, at the University of Florida teaching in the in the family medicine residency program. And and so my personal proudest moment as a as a leader was was getting faculty of the year there and teaching nice. residents about these kinds of topics and transformation and just having that connection with people. Uh, it, and I was only there for a year, and it was a really powerful experience for me in terms of having those kinds of relations. So I think that's certainly one of my proudest. I think certainly the I think in terms of pop health, my proudest moment was seeing in my in my previous organization when we we first were able to generate shared savings in our model. And I say that because it was somewhat of an untested model. We we worked not exclusively but quite a bit on social determinants as the, as the core of our operations and how we dealt with care management and pop health. And I think we had, I'm involved nationally with ACOs and there are a lot of people that still just that don't really believe that a social determinant model is really the way to go in managing populations. And so there were some naysayers out there and we were able to generate significant savings despite some significant headwinds. And that was certainly a proud moment for me that our, our model tested true and has delivered consistent results. And, and we're working towards the same things here at Sinai and I'm excited to, to be a part of it. That's awesome. Well, you know what? Success definitely uh, leaves a trail and I'm excited to see you apply some of the things that have already worked for you and, and your previous teams to what you're doing at Sinai. 
Rob, there's no doubt in my mind that you're going to succeed. So as you, as you work to unravel some of the things that you've got going on, what's an exciting project that maybe you want to share with the listeners? Sure. Yeah. I, in taking on some of the social determinants work here at Sinai, the, the things I'm, I'm really excited about are how to use the data sources we have and use things like machine learning, for example, to be able to describe our populations differently. So we're able to now, using our one of our analytics partners, able to predict with a reasonable degree of certainty who in our population is likely to end up in the hospital unnecessarily in the next 30 days. before. Um, and so whereas most analytics talk about readmissions predictors and other types of, uh, I think, more common uh, metrics and predict use other common uses of predictive analytics. We're trying to think more upstream and predict the next unplanned admission to really try to have a more meaningful impact on patients. And not only do we are we able to do that, but we're able to do that with a little bit of information on these patients regarding their social determinants. So we can actually tell based on more, I would say, less typical data sources. So like purchase data, you know, using big data to help provide a social context for these patients. So not only can we say, hey, they're likely to end up in the hospital in the next 30 days, but they're likely to end up in the hospital and also have an issue with housing or transportation or finance. And that way, our social workers and our nurses that are trying to manage the population have an, a greater degree of insight even before talking with the patient and can most, can most appropriately help them by closing those social determinants gaps. So it's a really uh, sort of an empowered approach to care management and proactive upstream thinking in terms of care management that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. It, not to mention the opportunity to partner with our nonprofits in New York City to be able to, to really help close those gaps in a meaningful way. Rob, that is super exciting. And yeah, you know, I, I had a guest, um, it was about a year ago, actually, and he was talking about, you know, he had as part of his portfolio a a social determinants of health test and the patient would take it on the tablet when they got to the doctor's office or the ER and and based off of that it would give the care team an understanding of where they sat what the risks were and this is more like just a piece of the entire vision of what you're painting but it seems like it's at its core i think like a lot of times it's tough for people to envision these things that you know you're just laying out for us but the power behind what a system like this could do is pretty big for the health of people and, and for the way that hospitals manage populations. If, if somebody listening to this, what Rob is saying is if it's resonating with you, Rob, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you to, to start a conversation? Probably by email. Uh, my email is robert.fields, F-I-E-L-D-S, at mountsinai.org. And that's probably the best way to start a conversation or to you know have a conversation about what we're working on. I remember working with somebody that worked with vulnerable populations back in Asheville who is accredited with the quote that went something like, you know, it's hard to take care of your diabetes if you're living in a tent. And that to me is probably as concrete as it comes because you're right. I mean, I think data and analytics and predictive analytics is kind of out there and some people get it and some people don't. But I think that line can easily resonate. And whereas healthcare... I can write a million prescriptions and that's what I'm trying to do. Somebody has diabetes, it's not under control. I can write a thousand prescriptions for insulins or for other medications all day long and have zero impact because I've done nothing to actually deal with the priorities that the patient has and just surviving the day. 
And I think ultimately when I think about what's at the core of pop health is trying to deal with those basic life needs that you have to deal with. Otherwise, you don't get to the right outcomes. And it just so happens that the way the financing of healthcare is changing, that's more possible today than it might have been 10 years ago in a fee for, purely fee-for-service environment. That's a great way to put it, Rob, and, and definitely resonates with me. And folks, if you need to rewind this and hear it again, it's definitely one that I'll be rewinding and listening to again because Rob's definitely given us some great insight into population health and the things that matter and the promise that we're about to see around the corner with the changes in, in the economic infrastructure in healthcare. Getting close to the end here, Rob, let's pretend you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in healthcare, the 101 of Dr. Rob Fields. And so we're going to design a syllabus, four questions, lightning round style, followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? I'm ready. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Always keep the result in mind. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Don't substitute a process for a result. I think we do a good job of creating processes, but again, we lose sight of the result that we're intending. Love that. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Keep your, be true to your mission always. I think that it starts there. What is one area of focus that drives your organization? I would say culture, and I think that should be true of all organizations. I think you got to get the culture right, and that should drive everything else you do. What's your all-time favorite book that you'd like to recommend to the listeners on the syllabus? Oh, man, lots of great books, but I'm going to kind of stick to the basics, and I'll recommend The Little Prince. I think there are a lot of truths about life in that children's book. Nice. I think hold, hold true to that today, and I credit my older brother for introducing me to that too. That's awesome. Hey, kudos to you, older bro. And uh, yeah, you know, I've, listened, I've heard that recommendation once uh, before. So now, Rob, with your recommendation, it's, it's definitely climbed up on my, on my must-read list. So appreciate you for sharing that. And uh, listeners, if you want to get a hold of this syllabus that we just crafted for you, along with the transcript of our interview, just go to outcomesrocket.health slash fields, as in Rob Fields, and you'll find it there. Before we conclude, I'd love, Rob, if you could just share your closing thoughts and then the best place where the listeners could follow you or learn more about your work. Uh, sure. Uh, maybe a closing thought is that the thing I'm most excited about in the new economy is that it turns out that doing the right thing by patients turns out to be the least expensive way to provide care. Um, and when those things align, I think good things can happen. So I'm excited there. And again, probably the best way to get me is, is via email, uh, robert.fields at mountsinai.org. And we also have a, our own podcast that I lead, Mount Sinai Health Partners on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts as well, if uh, that's helpful. Outstanding. We'll definitely have to check that out, Rob. And uh, we'll provide a link to the podcast that they offer on the show notes as well. So if you want to check out this is just the tip of the iceberg, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to dive deep into Rob's thoughts and what they're doing over there, check it out. Just go to outcomesrocket.health slash fields and you'll see a link to their podcast down there so you could dive deeper. Rob, this has been a true pleasure. Really appreciate you taking the time with us today. And uh, yeah, hopefully we could uh, get you back on in about a year or so to hear how things have gone. Sounds great. Thanks all. Appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. 
Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 